Welcome to Practically Perfect, the podcast all about cats. Stay tuned to learn about cat behavior, tips and tricks for cat owners, community cat information, and much more. Here's your host, Carrie Poppins. Welcome to another episode of Practically Perfect. I'm your host, Carrie Poppins, and today I have with me DQ, who is the owner and operator of Go Cat Go Cat Behavior Consulting in San Francisco, California. Welcome, DQ. How are you doing? Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. I mean, yeah. all things considered. Right. <laughs> as good as you can be. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So tell us a little bit about you and how you got involved in this crazy cat behavior world of ours. Sure. Um, well, I, uh, I've been living in San Francisco now close to 23 years, uh, and I moved here uh, w- not with any intention to work in the cat world. I kind of was <laughs> I, looking for to find myself, really, not a career. And um, sometime around, uh, it was around 2001 uh, that I left the uh, explosion of the dot-com world that happened back er- in the early 2000s. Uh, and found myself, like, again, looking for a purpose. And I had friends that were uh, volunteering at the San Francisco SPCA, and I just sort of walked in there and took interest in being a cat socializer, um, which was like the, you know, the, their core volunteer opportunity for, for mm-hmm. cat people. Um, I, in doing that job, realized I really liked working with people uh, and, and interfacing with them and, and the matchmaking process and um, just, you know, the, the, the cat had a story The people bring those two things together and, and really, um, trying to figure out, you know, is making the life decision for this animal. And I found, uh, found it to be really fulfilling and, and important. And the second, a job opened at the SPCA, which, uh, was at the, uh, adoption desk, you know, where people come to apply, uh, I took a part-time job and, that part-time job in 2002 uh, pretty much launched my career at the SPCA to about two thir- 2013. So within that scope of 12 years, I went from doing adoptions and just matchmaking cats and dogs to uh, working in adoption outreach, which we now call pop-ups, you know, sort of show up and okay. do adoptions, uh, which again was really challenging because you're not in a shelter environment. And then you're working with people and trying to match make them with kittens and that kind of thing. Um, it was around 2000, I'd say six or 2007 that uh, an opening in our San Francisco SPCA cat behavior department was uh, had just been available. So I applied for that job and uh, was hired and essentially spent the next six years creating a volunteer program for the cat volunteers where we were teaching them the basics of body language, uh, teaching them how to visit fearful cats, how to work with some of the cats that might be play aggressive or stimulating. And just really, I mean, what sparked it off for me was that a lot of volunteers were being bitten by cats. Mm. And these cats, uh, because of that, the circumstances where they're in, they'd have to be quarantined for 10 days right. for breaking and biting skin. So, you know, when you have a cat who's 
play aggressive and bitey and really, really attention seeking, the worst thing to happen is for that cat not to have a visit for 10 days. Right. So we found yeah, that, that can be detrimental. For yeah. Them. Right. It's like you've got, you know, every shelter is different in, in the amount of time and that they have to, to, you know, create a pathway for a cat. Uh, San Francisco SPCA had the luxury of, of t- being a, a limited admission shelter where we were selective about the cats that we brought in uh, based on our capacity to house them uh, humanely mm-hmm. and also the amount of volunteers and resources that we had. So it was a, a very, very enlightening experience for me working not only in cat behavior, but in uh, instructing volunteers. And then what what had me, what got me to the point of deciding to leave the shelter environment and work for myself was that I was doing intake appointments and working, uh, you know, doing surrenders for people. Mm-hmm. And we were getting a cats back that were, you know, maybe were adopted and were turned 10 years after, uh, or cats that were being brought in for behavior issues that really, uh, the people were kind of at their last rope. They weren't really receptive to hear uh, advice on how to right. keep at the cat point. at that point, right? Mm-hmm. They are, the word surrender is a powerful word. It means you're giving up. Mm-hmm. I, I, in my, my, my way of thinking through this is like, well, why are you not surrendering? (laughs) Why are you giving up? Right. Because that's what it takes, right. To live with cats. It takes a lot of surrendering to what they, what they need and how they, um, how they see their environments. And and people tend to be very, very selfish about their own needs and uh, the aesthetic of their house and, you know, everything. So to boil that down, essentially I was getting fatigued. And I was getting really, really, um, I was feeling kind of helpless in that I was enabling cats to be surrendered and not trying to prevent it. Um, so I searched for a resource uh, that could kind of fill in that gap where someone could kind of make a home visit and uh, and talk the person off the ledge before they surrendered that cat and then just decided I should be that resource. <laughs> so within about a year of my exit of SPCA, I launched Go Cat Go. That was in 2012. Uh, and then as it was kind of picking up speed and I'm working a 40 hour work week, but then spending my nights doing house <laughs> calls, uh, I decided, all right, like, I guess I would, I, I'm, I'm tired. The shelter life was exhausting, but also creatively, I was feeling a little bit stifled. Like right. uh, my voice, you know, when you work for a large organization, it's hard to have your unique voice and your unique approach. Uh, reach the, the the people you wanted to reach. So uh came to that kind of, you know, just that moment where you're like, all right, well, let's jump. And I did. Uh, and ever since, that's, that was in 2013. So we're talking now seven years. I've uh, been working for myself, doing house calls and now Zoom calls, which I was doing before, but I'm doing it exclusively now. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and took my teaching uh to essentially to other shelters and to cat cafes and any place where cat people would gather uh and that is where live in the meow comes from uh live in the meow is my anchor statement my anchor slogan for what i feel like is the most important part of understanding cats uh and so essentially what i've done is i've taken everything i've learned professionally in a shelter environment and then kind of incorporated my own uh, spiritual practice and uh, let's say uh, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Mindfulness, I guess is the best mm-hmm. word for it. And trying to help people kind of slow down and just be a little bit more present with, uh, with, with the understanding of how their cats operate in their house. Because living the meow to me is what cats do. You know, cats right. are very present uh, and very um, reactive in the moment, but not so much contemplative, which we tend to be. And what I've discovered in teaching people about cats is that you, you really have to understand how they understand the person first. And you have to um, approach giving them advice in a way that isn't judgmental, of course, but empathetic to the issue um, and give them advice in a way that they're going to really take to it because some people are really, really stubborn and really uh, resistant. And I mean, the elephant in the room is that it's coming from a package that looks like me. Right. <laughs> so you are a very unique guy. <laughs> so, so I mean, I will say that my unique uh, appearance and look is not that unique in San Francisco, but it's a product of San Francisco. And I think what helped me find my voice and my brand, I guess, uh, was encompassing my experiences of being a San Francisco resident for 23 years but also how I understand cats, how I understand people, how I understand uh, just self-awareness and consciousness and kind of boiling all that down into one uh, method and philosophy that people can understand. And cat behavior comes in, you know, the advice comes in so many forms and so many voices. And I think a lot of us are coming from different experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just trying to be authentic to mine. And so that's what living me out to me is. It's just uh, being present enough to understand your cat's needs before you understand your own and, and your own intentions and how the, your intentions sometimes can totally screw up the works. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, being a cat behavior consultant, I always find, you know, the harder part is working with those humans. Yeah. And because to me, I'm like, well, the cat's doing it because of X, Y, Z. And right. we can change it by adding A, B, C or, you know, changing our body language or the environment, right. adding enrichment, all these things. And it is, like you said, getting that across to the humans and making sure, you know, we always change our body language and how we act depending on what the cat's body language is telling us. And it's remembering to also do that with their human counterparts. Right. Right. I mean, I, I describe cats as human intention meters <laughs> or radars. You know, they, they really can size up what you're going to do if it's going to take away their free right. will. And, and to me, like, you know, I'm a punk rock guy. Free will is a big deal to me. <laughs> like, you know, uh, and I always saw cats being kind of punk rock in the, that they're just like, you know what, you're not going to control me. I'm going to do what I want. And, you know, so I like that they're kind of, disobedient in some ways and I like that they um, they're self-serving in other ways but it's the human being who who takes things personally and sees a very very human quality to, to cats actions um, I mean a, a classic example would be cats that are uh, peeing outside of the litter box and where they decide to pee sometimes feels very very personal mm-hmm. And, you know, I, the hard thing to explain to a person is that sometimes a cat urinates on your bed, not because they are mad at you, but because they actually <laughs> revere you quite highly. 
and that that is a place that they may feel comfortable or a place that has uh, significance to them, you know, and social significance within different areas and rooms. So, um, People, and it's not out of spite. <laughs> right. Yeah. Spite is, is a very popular, you know, when you, you know, when you get someone who writes to that email and you start yes. reading through it and going, oh boy, my work is cut out for me. I have a lot of <laughs> stuff to share. Um, or folks who literally, you know, they, they think they have tried everything, but maybe they tried it two years ago. And right. because they tried it two years ago and didn't work, uh, you know, from a different perspective, uh, they're not ready to, to really try it again. So... Uh, or working through a person's own aesthetically, you know, their, their house, the way they want it to look and how they haven't really um, incorporated the cat's needs into these areas uh, and then push their cat's litter boxes and uh, even feeding areas into places where they kind of like sight unseen. So right. it's a, there's a lot, there's a lot to, to pick through. And I think a lot of people don't even realize that people like us exist. Like you were right. saying when you were working, right. you know, at the SPCA is it was people are at their wits end and they're just like, I can't thinking they have tried everything. And I, it's always funny when um, I go to our local cat cafe here and um, the owner will introduce me. She's always like, have you met Carrie Poppins? She does feline behavior consulting. And <laughs> um, you know, and everybody's always like, I've tried everything. And I was like, I haven't seen an email from you. Right. right. I haven't, you know, you haven't, there's always another option. Yeah. You know, and a lot of people just don't realize that professionals like us do exist that really have a solid understanding. Correct. Yeah. Of cats. Yeah. They're, or they're, they're, you know, the, the thing that they tried, they didn't really try it long enough. You know, a lot right. of things they people, let's face it. I mean, we live in a, in a culture now where we expect immediate results. Yes, or, we're very instant gratification. Right. You know, we, we order something online. We want that tomorrow, you know. Um, yes. And that's a lot of how people think they see advice sometimes and the understanding that a cat doesn't turn a corner in a day, that they really need to kind of map out routines and, and impressions need to change. And those impressions take time. Yeah. So uh, the, the folks that, that tell me they have tried everything, you know, there's this almost this first instinct where I'm like, oh, Jesus, I, like, <laughs> maybe there's no room for advice, you know, and, and you start to, right. to doubt yourself as a consultant, whether you're going to be able to provide value, because I think that's another part of this job is, you know, you're, you're providing a service, you put a value on that service, and some people either because they don't know you exist, when you finally, they finally find out that you do exist, they don't really see the value it, the way others mm -hmm. do, or the value you put on it. And um, I mean, I'll give you an example. I've had, I had clients in the past that had situations that really, I mean, they would be repairable if they were, uh, if they would just compromise. And mm -hmm. I mean, imagine a, a, a small apartment with one bedroom and uh, a cat that lives there that's doing just fine, but then they decide to adopt the second one, but they don't separate them at all. Mm -hmm. And they just, there's this endless fighting going on in the, in the living room or bullying, but they won't put at least one cat in the bedroom to, to try to do this slowly and stagger it and, you know, uh, allow for these cats some time to just kind of understand each other from a very soft barrier, like a, a gate or anything. And if, right. they, if they're not a lot willing to compromise there, 
and, and then your advice is going to seem kind of foolish, right? Because in this situation, like one thing I try to do is try to understand a person's limitations and respect them. But I'm also going to give them the caveat that, listen, I understand you don't want to open your bedroom door and let your cat in. But if you did, this would resolve. If you don't, here's what only things we can do in this room. And if it doesn't work, I, you know, then we're at our depth here. That's all we can do. Mm-hmm. And I've had people who were like, you know, I just, I, I don't think I got the value out of this service. And I'm like, but you didn't go do what I told you to do. And I also <laughs> allowed yeah. you like a full 60 days to kind of correspond with me and, and experiment. Right. Because when you sit with somebody for an hour, you think you've given them a world of advice, but what they've truly absorbed, maybe just certain things they know they can do or what things they're willing to do. Mm-hmm. So it's important, you know, you have a rapport with people, but I think what's hard, what's been hard for me is that I find this particularly with couples. One person is on board and the other person Absolutely. is not on board at all. Not just with fixing the problem, but hiring someone to fix the problem. Right. Yeah. 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 And, you know, something that I see often, too, is people have these expectations because of a previous cat they've had. I just had a consultation yesterday and they're considering it's a almost six month old kitten and they're considering getting another kitten because they want her to have a quote unquote friend. Um, And, you know, talking about that and talking about slow introductions and and everything and one of them goes on to tell me, well, when we had cats 18 years ago, <laughs> we just put them in the room together. And I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, that's great that you had this wonderful experience, but it's not always the same for every single right animal. So you were lucky. Good job. Right. Let's err on the side of caution and work through this plan so that we don't have any negative experiences and just prevent it altogether, you know, whereas what happens when you do just throw this kitten in the same room, you might get lucky again, but you also might get an ER visit. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Or your cat goes, you know, like to the vet from a bad bite or something or the kitten gets hurt. Right. I I mean, that kittens are classic uh, impulse decisions. Yes. And the, I think the, concept of my kitty wants a friend mm-hmm. is it may be 50% true um, because really I think people want more friends people want more cats yes. and especially here in this city we've got huge people with huge hearts oh they want to save everything but their apartments are tiny you know yeah. and it's just not going to work yeah it's funny people always ask me you know they assume I'm in the cat world I must be this crazy cat lady who <laughs> has a million cats yeah. No, I own two. I got one. <laughs> and I know I know my limits. So I foster as well. And I have a separate bedroom that the fosters stay in. And people are like, you don't just let the kittens run around. No, because my five-year-old doesn't like kittens. Right. Yeah. She gets really stressed out. And then my 15-year-old has a lot of health issues being 15. And knowing that stress can cause more issues I'm not going to do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can, you can literally see the avalanche start, you know, the pebbles start coming down. It's like the, you're, you're creating a situation where all, every other animal has a stake in the game and an established one and it's balanced. And then when another particular kitten, right, is going to be 
a well, it's going to be a draw of energy from all of these animals, but also the attention. The, the kittens tend to be very impulsive, right? Very rude. Uh, right. They haven't learned anything and, yet. Right. Potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, gosh, yeah, it, it's, 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 a, it's a guaranteed uh, consult. Cat consult uh, what am I trying to say? It's a, gar- right. it's a guaranteed consultation when somebody gets a kitten and they're like, yeah, my cat's in their teens. I'm like, oh, right. well, here we go. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. And, you know, and that that does bring us back to really understanding your cats and knowing what their needs are. Um, Again, as humans, we are impulsive in those types of decisions and we do justify things, um, how they may not, you know, be justifiable. Um, But it, it is about knowing your cat and understanding your cat and being able to give them the best life that we can provide and giving them those choices and as much as, as much as we possibly can. Right. I find that choices alone. I mean, just the the concept of choice is the core to solving all most problems because, Mm -hmm. you know, again, you know, with the limitations of the boxes we live in our apartments and our houses, um, we we don't often think about uh, the p- fact that not just one cat but multiple cats need choices within that environment, you know, and and they need to, as we talked about, like the free will part of it. They need to be able to feel like they're making those choices on their own and that they're not being pushed into situations. And that's another thing I feel humans tend to do, particular with cats that are fighting or a new cat comes home and and there is this fight, you know, there's a there's a, an overmanagement of the problem sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, I think, well-intentioned uh, kind of like uh, refereeing. You know, no one right. wants to see a cat get hurt, but sometimes uh, our presence skews their interactions. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really it's fascinating to me to, to work through um, uh any myriad of situations. I mean, I think that what fascinates me the most about this job is that every single situation is unique and you can right. definitely, you know, you can think back on, on last, uh, a lot of uh, prior clients and use that information, but there's always going to be one that trips you up. And, right. <laughs> and, and I think what's important is that as cat consultants is that we explain to our clients that I might be tripped up now, but that doesn't mean I'll be tripped, tripped up in, you know, a day or a week. Like I literally need to talk to other people. There's, mm-hmm. like, there's a, there's a lot of resource out there and I'm just one of them. Uh, right. But, and it's nice. A lot of us, you know, I personally know at least a handful of other cat behavior consultants. Yeah. So if I do ever get tripped up with something, you know, I'm Facebook messaging somebody or emailing right. saying, Hey, this is the situation I'm in. Yeah. Give me your feedback. Right. Yeah. I have three cheers for the, Pet Professional Guild. They've been a fantastic, <laughs> fantastic resource for um, um, so many folks that have uh, really good angles and, and, good, and post good resources and stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And the other thing, you know, that I find trips up a lot of humans is they always ask about timeline. Yeah. Yeah. And how long am I going to have to do this? How long is it going to take until my cat goes back to peeing inside the litter box. How long do I need to do the introduction for? You know, they want that timeline. And as we've been talking about, our cats are individuals. Our yeah. cats 
are all different. And so unfortunately, you know, I can spell things out, but I can't say, okay, day one, you're going to do this. Day right. two, you're going to do this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's another quality of, of the way we are now is like people want, you know, and right, rightfully so they want actionable steps and, mm-hmm. and you can give them to a degree, but you also have to leave some gray area because, and that's what I think people get really kind of thrown off by is like, wait, you can't guarantee that this will be fixed in, you know, two weeks. And I'm saying, you know, this is why I was telling you it's no rush on the appointment because even though we meet today, your problem still exists. It's right. not going to magically disappear because we had a conversation. This, this requires your buy-in, your involvement, your repetitious routine. You have to become a predictable resource to this cat now, you know, depending on the issue. But um, I like to give people a 30-day kind of like, let's check in in a month. Mm-hmm. And after you've done these things, I also, you know, ask folks to keep me in the loop about what they're trying and what is working. What is right. Most people don't. They just yes. don't. They just don't. Even though you give them free follow up and all that, they just don't do it. So, uh, but they will call you two years later when the mm-hmm. problem, you know, yes. happens again. So I think either I'm that good and the problems are solved after we've met. <laughs> Or, you know, or they're just, you know, like human nature is human nature. We fall back into our routines. We accept things and, you know, maybe throwing a puppy pad on the floor is what some person's going to do for the next six years. Right. But yeah. And we aren't mind readers, you know, and things have to change. Sometimes we offer one solution and the cat really doesn't like that one solution. Maybe they don't like the litter suggestion that we um, made with the either type of litter box or placement or whatever we might have suggested. Um, and if we don't hear back from the client, right. we can alter that and make adjustments to yeah. anything to help them get through it. And, you know, unfortunately, that means that the cat is still the one that's really not getting the most value out of our consultation because that's really what it's about is you know we go into these consultations because the cat is stressed or uncomfortable in some way and you know their behavior is telling us that and that's usually what really gets me is when I do hear from clients you know like a year later and they're like oh the cat's still doing xyz and I'm like oh my gosh yeah it's been a year like there's plenty more to say that you didn't you'd never ask you know Exactly. Yeah. So that's always yeah. hard. And then, you know, I think what's funny to me, I've learned now to have it all in writing before they actually book me. But, um, you know, the sense of, of wanting a guarantee uh, mm-hmm. on, 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 on an outcome. And, you know, I, I will put it in writing when people sign their form. And, you know, that this is not an exact science, but, you know, we're going to try our best. Um, and just know that some situations won't change depending on the, the situation. And I will tell my client that right, flat out, you know, I'm like, we can, we can try putting eight litter boxes in your house. And I know that's going to be uncomfortable. And by all means, if some of those boxes are not being used, pull them. But I, you, these, these eight litter boxes still may not be the answer, but we have to do it in order to remove it as a variable in this experiment we're doing here. So, yeah. Uh, and a lot of people forget cats are living, breathing yeah mindful creatures you know they aren't just this plug and play and okay now everything's going to be perfect they are doing behaviors because of 
some consequence associated with it, something, you know, whether they're getting self-rewarded for something or they're telling us there's some uncomfort right. or they're telling us there's a medical issue, you know, their lives are constantly changing as much as ours are. Absolutely. I mean, they're, they're just, you know, doing the best with what they have in their environment. And, you know, like, it's a strange, I think, <laughs> it's kind of strange for a cat to live in a house to begin with. I mean, it's, it is a large enclosure, you know. Um, so within the confines of our house, if we're not doing our job to uh, keep their, uh, their, their brains enriched with activity mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, not only play, but how we feed our cats, when we feed our cats. Um, I've been pushing food puzzle toys on practically every one of my clients. Yeah. <laughs> I do too. Because, you know. Like, I don't care what the problem yeah, is. Yeah. I'm recommending Look, it that. won't hurt. Just let's just get. <laughs> right. You know, exactly. Because, I mean, you know, it doesn't, it's not that it doesn't add up. I mean, it, to, to have an activity that is, I mean, it's a double bonus. You know, it's play right. and it's, it's positive reinforced and it's, it's just nothing but benefit, you know. Instead of taking your cat, physically removing him from the room and putting him in your bathroom for a time out, uh, you know, like I guarantee he is not in there thinking, whoa, is me. What have right. I done? He's thinking, get me the heck out of this bathroom. All right. Or he's thinking, oh, that toilet paper. Right. You know, that roll is pretty fun. What, what do I do? Right. So maybe you're instead of uh, you know, punishing him, you're you redirect him to a room that has these puzzle toys and he's not being punished. He has an activity in this room and he's not in your hair and. You know, we get ahead of the issue. And I think that's what people don't always understand, you know, especially with play aggression or, or mm-hmm. you know, when they're being – ankles are being bitten. You know, I'll give them the advice about interactive play and how to play correctly and a lot of that. But then I'll get an email a day later saying, I played with him. He's still biting me. And I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, like we need to so – we need to – to give it some time, but we also need to think about when you're most likely going to be bitten and get ahead of that by right. working Learn those patterns. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. And pa- and habits take time to break, too. Right. You know, just like with humans, it's trying to get somebody to go to the gym consistently is hard. So why do we <laughs> think that, you know, our cat's behavior is going to change overnight? Yeah. Like, what? You know, we got to get get in their minds and figure out, okay, this is the pattern that they've given me. How can I change that pattern to better work for what everybody in the household needs? Right. Yeah. I, I tell my clients, your, your cat has a skill set and unfortunately it's backfiring on you right now. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, these things that he does, breaking into the cabinets and stealing bread off the table, these can be redirected. You know, we can manifest it. But it's going to require you to manage some things differently and to do some work. And the work is in the preemptive routines that circumvent his need to do this. You know, I, I always say any port in a storm, you know, your cat is basically looking for any place to dock in, right. in this uh, barren environment, environment that is just, you know, not, not enriching his, his day. Yeah, and if we don't give those appropriate ports, they are going to choose the one that we as humans right. would prefer they That's don't right. choose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I hate saying, I hate using the word inappropriate or bad because to them it's not. Yeah. 
it's just behavior. Yeah, yeah, that's I'd say I like that you said that because you know, I, I, I try to say like there you know, this this is not misbehaving. This is there really is no misbehaving and there's no abnormal behavior. These are behaviors. They are things that are that are happening the same way our behaviors happen. You know, we are a product right. of the environment and the people we live in live with and uh, their influences influence us. And absolutely and so there's I think the symbiotic relationship between a person and an animal, um, you know, it's, it's, it's profound. And I think for some folks, they, it, what's I think hard is for them to see that their own uh, behavior, like anxiety is a big one, right? People who are mm-hmm. anxious or their intentions tend to be uh, quick and, and, and impulsive. And, you know, th- those are the folks who are being bitten by their cats, not seeing warning signs or body language or, petting a cat while it's sleeping or, you know, basically just doing un, n- not consensual things to their cat. Right. Um, right. Yeah. So how can more people, you know, we use, you use the phrase live in the meow. Yeah. How, how do you recommend that people do that with their cats? You know, a simple thing you can do is, you know, I think we talk about cat play and we talk about how important it is. But rarely do you find a person who has the stamina themselves <laughs> to sit long enough for how long it takes for some cats to to amp up and get ready to pounce. And for me, like a simple live in the meow method is to be the toy, to figure out, okay, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working with a mouse toy here. What would a mouse actually do? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the way people play with cats is often too fast, uh, stationary, where a person's sitting and moving a toy around. And after a while, your cat maps out the moves of the toy and decides to just stand still, watch it. And then we perceive that as boredom, where they're really just waiting right. for it to run away and do something a mouse would actually do. So, Yeah, and mice don't run into cats' faces. Correct. Yeah, they're not, you know, they're not suicidal. They're not running into danger they're to run away from the danger so living the meow you know 15 minutes a day of meditation of just getting erasing your own thought and and giving the time to your cat instead um and that requires you to to do something realistic and maybe get up and maybe run that mouse down the hall through a couple rooms around this back of the sofa and through some pillows you know it's it's got to be something that you have the the concentration to do or it's not mm-hmm. going to benefit your cat and concentration uh, a great way to get concentration is to sit quietly <laughs> and do this do something you know just as a, it's like a zen practice where it's just like right. just wash dishes right <laughs> just do that so i always say like be the cat be the be the mouse be the caterpillar be the bird be those things for 15 minutes and then you can go back to being DQ and, and all your emails and all that <laughs> stuff that's happening right. all day long. But right. Just give all back to the human yeah, stuff. <laughs> just slow down for a second. Um, but also, you know, living in the meow is also being uh, surrendering yourself to the fact that you have this cat, right? So surrendering your comfort <laughs> in some cases, surrendering mm-hmm. your property uh, and, 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 realizing that property lines don't exist for your cat. What you think is yours is not yours. You invited this animal (laughs) into your home and your animal now decides, this cat decides everything is mine. So um, 
you know, it's, uh, it's just really about, about, about understanding your own contribution to how a cat feels. And, you know, again, the consent part I think is really important because I see online, I just watched just five minutes ago or whatever, before we were talking a video where people are picking up cats and it's a TikTok video. Mm-hmm. The cat, like it's a telephone. Oh yeah. Yeah. I saw, hanging up, I saw that hanging one. up the cat, putting it down. And some of the cats, most of them are upside down being held by their back legs. No cat asked for that. It's funny for, you know, visually funny, but it's cat after right. cat after cat being put into a situation. A lot like that whole cucumber craze that was happening right. for a while. Um, so live in the meow means you allow, your cat makes, makes the call. You have to ask for permission to do mm-hmm. some of these things. And um, that's my goal is just to get people to change minds. I mean, that's, that's what I'm trying to do. Definitely. You gave us a lot of, a lot of good little nuggets. I love, you know, all the little pieces that you shared with us. Um, so thank you so much yeah, for coming on absolutely. today and My pleasure. talking to everybody. Yeah. Um, and if anybody wants to get a hold of DQ, I will link his information on my Facebook page as well as the description of the podcast. But again, he is the owner and operator of Go Cat Go in San Francisco. Um, so anybody, you know, we talked about most of us are doing virtual things now. So you don't even have to be local to San Francisco to have a consultation with DQ. So that's, that's right. great. Thank you. Yeah, you can find so, me anywhere on social media at Go Cat Go SF. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode. And until next time, have a practically perfect day.